0: I want to ask you a question to get started this morning. First of all, it's uh, great to be back with you. It's great to be, uh, be able to preach this morning. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, the break and Colton preaching last week and getting to go to camp. But when you go to camp and you haven't preached that week before, um, you're really ready to preach. Um, but I want to ask you a question this morning before we get started. On a scale of 1 to 10, uh, how, how well or how good or how, um, how, how would you measure, 10 being the best and most high, uh, how would you measure your faith? This is a very difficult question, one you probably can't answer right now. And even, though, if you, even if you could, you say, man, i got all the faith in the world. Okay, good. See, we often say that, and we get to that point where the rubber meets the road, and our faith that we think that we have all of goes away. This morning, Satan tried to do absolutely everything he could to get you and I to not come here first. I was fully expecting to pull up to this church and not have windows in it, no shingles, no power, no air, no toilets, no water, nothing, nothing. Because that's how good our week has been. Did you realize, do you understand that our, our kids and our staffers went down to be a part of Lake Salatiska? Currently, I am drinking coffee. Probably won't drink, quit drinking coffee until after lunch today. Because since last Friday, I've got about 52 hours of sleep. So I'll drink this while I talk. I wouldn't trade it for the world. I got to see God show up through our young people, through our staffers. And here's the deal. You ready? It had nothing to do with us. Your faith has nothing to do with you. You are the one that puts the coins into the machine. Okay? You, you put in, you trust. You have nothing to do with the fact that God can be relied on. You have zero anything about that. But man, we are hottie totty when it comes to that. I am a faithful person. Don't we get that attitude? We suddenly turn into 13 and 14-year-old kids and we literally talk smack to God. God, I told you I'm trusting you. Really? That's neat, Matt. You say you're trusting me, but why are you over here? God, I trust you. You you do a good work because I'm claiming it. No. No, no, no. That's not what I asked. Now I didn't ask for your opinion. God says something to me that often my dad used to say to me. He said, if I wanted your opinion, I would give it to you. Let's let that sink in a little bit, okay? If you have kids, feel free to copy and paste, okay? If I wanted your opinion, I would give it to you. Now, my dad was being sarcastic, uh, smart eloquent. when he said that, but oftentimes it was to correct me. Like, hey, pff, stop. If I wanted your opinion, I would give it to you. Oftentimes, I think God, I think my dad got this from God. He, he, I, I hear something else that I feel that God tells me all the time when I want to be a little smart elk kid and a brat and... Say, well, God, this and this and this and this and this and this. And he goes, will you just chill out? He goes, will you just close your mouth when you're talking to me? That was funny. Will you close your mouth when you're talking to me? Okay? So so if I wanted your opinion, I would give it to you. Close your mouth when you're talking to me. If we followed those two rules, and we didn't give God our attitude, or we didn't give other people what we thought they needed, we would be in a lot better shape. I know some of you are thinking, man, he's two minutes into this sermon. He's already clapping. Yeah, you might want to hang on. There's about 700,000 points you can make out of this chapter. and I'm going to try to cover some verses this morning that are very difficult and they're very, very, very hard to apply. So we spent since last Friday and I've been, Todd and I, and and I think it's just me and Todd, We making some trips back and forth and doing some stuff that was required of me and I was glad to do it and I stayed down at camp and I'm not going to the, the amount of sugar free monsters that were consumed at camp is none of your business okay um, <laughs> he's laughing because he knows it's true okay so here's the deal in the junior high camp from Saturday to Tuesday this is what we saw it wasn't really a big deal it re- really wasn't a, a, a big deal there were almost 100 students so it was about 130 total people there and seven, and 10 and 10 of those junior high students ...came to a saving faith relationship with Jesus Christ? Why are we here? Ten people are going to join you in eternity now. Yes! There were seven high schoolers that gave their life to Christ. That's 17 people. When is the last time that you were anywhere for a week... ...and you saw 17 people come to the saving knowledge and faith... Through Jesus Christ and inner heaven. Never. Good. Come to camp. Yeah, I'm a little wired. It, but it, it frustrates me. It does. That's our job. That is our, that, is our, that is our job. Oh, man, I'm so glad you got saved. Good job. That's crap. Oh, now you're using crap from the stage. Yeah, fine. People on the internet going, I'm never coming to this church. This guy's insane. Okay, fine. Listen, I saw 17, 17, 17 young people put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Yes. 17 people that understood personally, individually, inside them. 17 people that understood how much their salvation cost and they needed Jesus. But sometimes when we're adults, we fail to recognize that whole thing, don't we? You know, when we got here this morning, you know, you're sitting where it's nice and comfortable and somebody going, it's cold. It was like 80 degrees in here earlier. I'm thankful to a couple people that had a serious come to Jesus meeting with our breaker box. And poof, Jesus is greater. But I was, I was already determined. I was already determined we were going to get any fans anybody had. We were just going to sit here, we are going to move all the chairs, and we are going to sit down. And I have another question to ask you. If we moved all the chairs out of here, and I know some of you need the chairs. I, I get it. Okay, don't, don't hear me. Don't hear me wrong. But if we didn't have water, and we didn't have lights, and we didn't have power, and we didn't have seats, and we didn't have indoor plumbing, and we didn't have a parking lot and all this stuff, I have a question. I have a really, really serious question to ask you. Would this be enough for you to worship God? Yeah, if it's not, don't take this personal because I'm on the same train as you, ready? It's a problem. Well, I have a question about life. Well, how do I find the answer? Look, watch, ready? I'm not a librarian, but I know people that are librarians, ready? In order to find out what's in the book, to open the book, in order to find out what's in that, you have to read. And whenever you do that, you apply. And whenever you, whenever you open, read, and apply, all of a sudden, the expectations that you have that you think you deserve, see, that's, that's our problem. We're American people. That's a big problem. Well, I'm in the greatest country in the world. Yes, absolutely. You're also one of the most spoiled people in the world because we're American. I am not. You just proved the point if you said in your head, I am not, okay? We expect God to cater to our needs. (laughs) We do. Because when I came in here this morning and the air wasn't working, do you know what I thought? Satan, mm, if I could just hit you. I I mean, I I would, you ever, you ever had these days? I mean, Satan, if I could backhand you, I would. Holy smoke. I said, you would just try Everything. Every, every, I've, there are people in three different towns currently right now. Three different towns that are praying for you sitting here in Connections Church right now. Because we have so much wrong with us. So we sing Julie, saying how deep the Father's love for us. And I know some of you, oh, that's a, that's a great song. Some of you are like, that's a hymn. Did you know that hymns are coming back? They're writing new hymns. <gasps> they can't do that. Yeah, it's good. And like the new, you know. I'm part of, I'm, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm traditional Southern Baptist, okay? So I remember the maroon Broadman hymnals. And I remember when they went to blue. Whoa. Then they went to red. Now that gets confusing because you, you mix it up between that one and, and the Bible they have in the pew, right? Because they're both red. Now can you imagine that they're, re-write, they're writing hymns. They're writing new hymns. And it's this new movement. But why do we sing this song? We sang it on absolute purpose. Listen to this. We boast a lot about everything. And that last verse of that song says, I will not boast in anything about no gifts, no power, and no wisdom. That's laying yourself down. That's laying all of your expectations down. That's laying your hand off of, the, off of the steering wheel. You lay yourself down, but the problem is, we as Americans have such a stupid problem with it. It's mine. We act like we're Miss Piggy. We laugh all we want, but it's absolutely true. I have an agenda, and if the agenda is not met, then I'm out. Fine. Take it up with God. Matt, this is getting pointy. I don't like it. Fine. Again, take it up with God. Please, if you have a problem, you should probably, look, we need to read, and we need to apply that God's expectations are not ours all the time. I will not boast in anything, but I will boast in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. Do you know that other than that, that belief, that understanding that we can have eternal life in Jesus Christ. Do you know that everything else doesn't matter? Well, I, have a new, I, ha- I have a new car. Okay. You drove it off a lot. It lost two or $3,000 worth of value, didn't it? Don't remind me. I get it. But we expect things so often to just go in our way and we expect it just to just fall in our lap. And then when it doesn't, we, we argue and we, God, are you listening to me? We turn into teenagers again and we stomp our feet. I know some of you are like, did you spend the whole entire week, the last two weeks, preparing to preach this sermon? No. Sometimes I spend between 12 and 15 hours on a sermon. And some of you are like, you need to spend a little bit more. You're not a really good pastor. Okay, fine. It's been 12 and 15 hours on one sermon. When I, start, when I sat down to study this, to write this sermon, it was like I was trying to drink out of a fire hose from God. <laughs> can you slow down? I can only type and write so fast. What I expected to do was to put all this work in and 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 not have any time to do other things. And then it comes into my priorities. And I'm thinking, great, God, we got camp coming up. And I'm not even going to see my family. Blah, 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 blah. That's what I expected. What did you expect when you walked in the door today? What did you expect? I expected to be greeted. Okay. Okay. That's good. Because we pride ourselves on that. And sometimes people come up to me and go, I haven't been greeted. This is my suggestion. Ready? Hey, would you like to be a part of First Impressions team and greet people when they show up? Oh, I don't have time. Okay. See what we expect. I expect the coffee to be hot. Well, it took people to actually make it hot. Electricity. Uh, well, I expect the popcorn to be good. Listen, our popcorn rocks. We have some of the greatest chefs of popcorn known to man. Our popcorn's good. You get in. You Get into worship. What do you, what do you expect? You know, that sermon really didn 't speak to me see that that 's the thing because there are some ser- sermons that will speak to you more than others, and there are certain things in this Bible that will speak harder and sharper at different times in your life. But my question is, did you come into church this morning expecting to hear from God? and when you hear from God, because when you ask the Holy Spirit to talk to you and to speak to you, he does. Did you expect God to speak to you? And after that, did you know that God expects you to apply that? And please, don't think, do not think for a second, well, I'm not coming in there and listening to him, just his opinion. It's not my opinion. We're, we're, we're studying the greatest faith chapter in the entire Bible in Hebrews chapter 11. I didn't expect, now, this is confession. You ready? I didn't expect to go to camp and see 17 people get saved. Ready? Shame on me. Shame on me. Do you know what, do you know what happens when I didn't expect that? I put God in a box. God, I mean, 17, dude. Whew, that's a lot. And a lot of these kids are coming. They're already saved. I don't know. I put God in a box. Oftentimes, that's the case. We do that. But when you walked in this morning, what did you expect? As I was driving here this morning, I expected Satan to be at absolute full force with every single one of you. So I prayed for you. It doesn't make me holy. It doesn't make me awesome. It doesn't, certainly doesn't make me a fantastic pastor and a great person. I prayed for you because I understand the dealings of the devil and what they do to you. And it's bad. And it's not good and maybe maybe this morning i do not have your house bug maybe this morning you had a knockdown drag out with your kids maybe you had a knockdown drag out with your spouse maybe you had a knockdown drag out with your mom and dad i don't know but i guarantee in a room this big that happened guarantee you on the on the way to church we could not decide on which song to listen to and the the brother and the sister or the kids in the back they crossed that line didn't they Teasing with the other one. Messing with the other one. And you start frantically swinging from the front seat. As you drive down 15. Don't think I don't know that this happens. But how can we expect. God to move. And God to speak in us. If we are not ready. This is hard. Jesus I expect. To be known. I expect. Here's one thing I didn't expect. Ready. Ready. I didn't expect those kids and kids to get five hundred stinking dollars so I get a pie in the face. Yay. I was more than happy to take a pie five hundred dollars? They robbed all of your change drawers when you were not looking. They came with like a <laughs> like a, a wet dry back and went Vroom. thank you. Five hundred bucks. Now, we think $500 is a lot of money. You take that to a different country that doesn't have the economy we do, we're talking some serious life changes here. Did you expect God to talk to you this morning, or did we come in with our own agenda? I'm going to let you in on a little secret about pastors. And some of you may know this, and some of you have pastored before, and some of you do know this, but do you know that I don't get to get up here and preach anything that I want? Did you know that? Did you know that if I do that, the Bible speaks exceptionally difficult and bad against that? And I'm and I'm uh, the leader of you, and I'm doubly judged. Well, isn't that fun? Want to jump in? Huh? I don't get to, I don't get to do things because I just want to do them. God led me to preach through Hebrews, and I, I literally said, "You have got to be kidding me." So I called the, one of my spiritual mentors. I called my dad. I said, "Hey." You've got you've got more years of ministry than I have years of life. I have to ask you a question. Okay, shoot. I said, have you ever preached through Hebrews? Heck no, it scares me to death. Yay, thanks. I was hoping that he would give me you know notes or something. No, he said it scares me to death. He goes, that's that's a difficult. He goes, he goes, but man, if if God is listening, if you're listening to God, and that's what He wants you to do this is coming from my dad. He goes, if you don't do it, you're going to be in trouble with more than just God. That's that's him being my dad. (laughs) He's my spiritual counselor. He's still my leader. I still have him on this earth. Look at the first blank in your worship handout. Our expectations fall short of what God has for us. Well, man, Matt, you have no idea what I expect God to do. Now, Listen to me. I'm not saying that you are walking home and expecting a Ferrari. If you are, sorry about it. I'm just going to go ahead and burst your bubble. Okay? Sorry about you being expectant for that. Can we expect God to use us and to work in us if we're not stepping out in faith? But when we step out in faith, this is the problem. Our expectations oftentimes do not match God's at all. Careful, Miss Piggy, starting to rise. We don't like it. We don't like it because our expectations that we expect are mostly materialistic. How much joy do you have in your life? There are people in here that are not the richest people in the world. But I know from talking with them that they are some of the most, most joyous, happy people I've ever met. In my entire life. In fact, probably the happiest person that I know in my life is not wealthy by any stretch of the imagination in this country. They own one vehicle and they live by themselves. When the rest of the world says, one, gosh. Our expectations fall short of what God has for us. How, how is that possible? There's no comparison in the joy that God can give you. We expect to be happy. Americans expect to be happy. When we talk about the Bible and the word happy, here's the deal. Jesus doesn't say anything about being happy. He says, I'll give you joy beyond anything that you can understand. But I will not, he does not anywhere in the, maybe it's in second hesitations or something like that. Don't look for second hesitations in your Bible. It's right next to second Hezekiah. It's not there. All right. My dad often refers to the Ten, Suggest- or the ten Commandments as, as Ten Suggestions because we don't want to follow those either. Okay? But we, fall, we fall short. There's no comparison in the joy that you can have. You've been through something very difficult in your life, and you don't think there's any way that you can have joy, yet you do have joy. Let me put it in context. This, earlier this week, I did a funeral. Late last week, I did a funeral. Unfortunately, death happens to us. Did you know that as I talked with the family, and I talked with the people that were there, and I talked with the people that came in the visitation, did you know that I saw joy on people's face? Do you know why? (laughs) Because she's in heaven. And And those 17 people that I saw this week get to join her when they die. I don't have a clue why this doesn't excite us. Like some of you are like, he is on too much caffeine. He has had not enough sleep. No. Do you know how happy and joyful I was to get to come here this morning? I got to see you. I'm not much to see. You have no idea what you mean to me. You have no idea how much you mean to me. None. You have no idea how much I love you and how much I pray for you. But we often give up because we expect something. God has something and we, we... God has something for us and we have to wait. Oh, yay, waiting. Anybody wake up this morning and go, please, God, make me wait today? No? Anybody, anybody pray that they get stopped by eight trains today instead of just four? No? What does God have for you? Hmm. We often take the first available when it comes our way. When, when our expectations become reality many times, they're not what they thought they might be when our expectations become reality, many times they are not what we thought they would or should be. Do you have the faith to wait for what God has for you? When we have to wait like an hour or a day, that's one thing. But what if God wants you to wait for something that's out there. I want to get into this text because there are some things that some of these people believed and stood firm in their trusting of God and their expectations of God to move and to answer what he said because God has never let anybody down on his word. And there's some things in here they expected God, God to do, but watch this, you ready? That they never got to see Think about that. Do you trust God enough to believe him in something that, you have, that, you, that you'll never see? No, no, that's out there. No, that's out there faith. Okay, look with me. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. Oh, you ask a kid, like in, when we baptize, when we ask about their favorite, favorite story, a lot of times it's Noah, right? Noah, Noah built a large boat. But it was by faith. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He built a large boat. Let me put this in context for you. Ready? It's never rained. I know that we understand the, 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 the... I understand we rain. We know what rain is this year. Okay? It has never rained. They have no idea what water coming from the sky is. They do not understand. And he is in the middle of an arid, dry desert region. And God tells him, I need you to build a boat. We often give, we often like to say, yeah, I have the faith of Noah to do that. Do you have the faith of Noah or are you his neighbor that every day you walk by him and you think, what an idiot. We have to be really careful where we are in the story. But he built a large boat to save his family from the flood. Everybody laughed until God sealed the door, didn't they? Then it wasn't funny anymore. Listen, he obeyed God who warned him about the things that had never happened before. Okay. Do you understand how he got inducted into the Hall of Faith? He's believing things, understanding that God was speaking to him, that he didn't know anything about. It would be very difficult to explain the color blue to somebody that cannot see. This is exactly what he's believing. He's believing that God told him to build a boat, to prepare for something that has never happened. This makes no sense, doesn't it? To our human mind makes no sense. By his faith Noah condemned the rest of the world and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. Now, when it says here that Noah condemned the rest of the world, Noah doesn't have that power. Noah by his faith followed God, then God condemned the world. Noah basically they use this word here because Noah didn't condemn, but he was acting in direct opposition of the world. He was being faithful the world was not, so God had to start over. Tyler Terry was a, a youth that I had up in Hudsonville. Tyler recently got married, and he's got a he's got a baby. Him and his wife have a baby, and and Tyler was always a pretty shy kid. Played baseball for me, and and just but he's just a, a shy kid. And I remember we went we went to church camp. He came to Lake South Eastka several years ago, and. I said, Tyler, I really want, you to, really want you to just see what God has for you. And I really want you to kind of step out of your comfort zone. I said, you know, what, describe it to me. I said, is it like a hula hoop? Um, is it, you know, like a, maybe, a, maybe a bigger ring than that? or Maybe like a, like a swimming pool? Like just kind of theoretically, metaphorically, how, how big is your comfort zone? And he said, Matt, it's like a Cheerio. <laughs> he said, I can't even get my feet inside my comfort zone. I stand on top of it and I squish it. <laughs> And Tyler went to camp and he stepped out of his comfort zone. Tyler did some things, heard some things, got to speak to people that normally he wouldn't have ever talked to. And he stepped out of his comfort zone. And I'll never forget when we shared, when we shared with our church about, about camp, Tyler says something to the effect of this. I never would have seen God move in my life if I hadn't been willing to step outside of my comfort zone. And I'm like, yeah, okay, that's a Sunday school answer in my head. I'm going, yeah, sure. But, but he just learned it. It was fresh. I'm undone by the mercy of Jesus. When is the last time that you were so unbelievably on your face, totally thankful? You realize that when Jesus died on the cross and you 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 accepted Him into your life, you realize that you got out of going to hell for eternity. <sighs> Hello. <laughs> you, do, we understand the cost. If we look internally, so we were so easy. It be so easy for me. I spent a week with, with several people from, from, from Connection down at camp. And, and just because he's in here, I talk about Todd. It's so easy for me, or it's so easy for Todd, to come up to me. And, he, and I come to him, and I go, well, this is wrong, and this is wrong, and this is wrong, and this is wrong. Or this is wrong, and this and wrong. It's easy to talk to or about someone else. And I don't do that. So please understand, I don't do that. But when we do that, it's easy to point out the other people's stuff. But God says, the other people's stuff is not your problem. But I, but I want it to be. God, I want it to be. Don't we do that? Like, I want to know this news. Hmm. They call that prayer gossiping. You ever seen this? People pray. This is a joke. This I did not see this really happen. This is a joke. This is satire. Please do not go home and go, Well, oh my goodness. Listen, there's a group of people. And they're standing around and they're praying. And they, they mention somebody else's, uh, they had a baby out of wedlock. And I think the girl was Samantha. This is satire. This is not real life. Okay. But there's a girl praying here. And she said, and, and Lord, we, uh, we pray for Samantha and her baby. And we know that not everybody knows who, that, who the dad is. And we're just praying for that. That's not okay. That's none of your business. Because if we spent, if we spent the time that we chase after other people's stuff, looking internally, we would all be walking around a whole lot closer to Jesus. Wouldn't we? I would. A whole lot closer. So Noah is, bu- is building this boat. If you underline things in your Bible, look at God warned him by the things that had never happened before. Now, some of us read this story again now in in this light and go, God, I'd like to thank you that I'm not Noah. The boat would have never got done. Right? (laughs) You want how many pieces of gopher wood? I'm sorry? You want, really? God's challenging us to step out of a comfort zone. Maybe we've been in there for a very, very long time. But this is the first step. Look at the next blank in your worship handout. God often has for us what we did not expect. Oh, great. Listen, I know people. Not here. I'm not talking about people. You have to understand. I'm giving, I'm giving you examples of people that I, I have had encounters with in my life. That does not mean that they are here. Because I, wouldn't, I, don't, I don't do that. Okay, look. God often has for us what we did not expect. Now, some people in this world, and I don't know if you, under, if you understand this, some people in this world expect exactly what they want is what you have to give them. Let me, and let me explain. I know people that are not here. I know people in my past that are so crazy about this that if you gave them a 100 bucks, But you gave it to them in 250s or 520s, they would be upset. You know why? It's not a $100 bill. Give me 20s all day long. Give them to me. Fine. Listen, we I kind of wanted a $100 bill. Really? I'll take 50s? I will trade you a 20 for a 50 all day long. Often. Many times if you want. Listen, but God often has for us what we did not expect. You ever, you ever pray for something and get to the end and God answers it and you go, "Whoa, oh, I didn't know you were going to do that. If you haven't, I highly suggest that you actually pray for something. Because I've never, I've very rarely prayed for God to do something, other than this air conditioner situation. I've, very rarely do you do you get to the end of something that you prayed a, a long time for, especially if it involves a, a person, and you get to the end and go, hmm, I knew exactly what you were... No, you didn't. You have no idea this is the dominoes that are going around on the outside so that they can get to that answer. Look at verse 8. It was by faith. If you're underlining the words by faith, you're going to have a really marked up chapter 11. It was by faith that Abraham, one of my favorite, one of my favorite people in the Bible. If you underline this, underline this. By faith, and then after Abraham, underline obeyed. So it was by faith that Abraham obeyed. By faith he obeyed. How many people listened? How many people have kids that did not listen to you and you said the stove is hot? Anyone else? No, I'm just the only one in here. You warn your kids, okay? Thank you, thank you. Now Mary tells this joke about me. She goes, "How many times do you have to see a sign that says wet paint and you do not touch it? Evidently a lot, because I see wet paint. And I'm like, yeah, right, huh? <laughs> Whoops." <laughs> Somewhere in a hospital, somewhere, I'm not going to tell you where it is, it's not in town. But somewhere, I probably have my fingerprints so that somebody's like, steal my identity off the wall. I don't know, but yeah. You, we, we see these things and, and we and listen, by faith Abraham obeyed. The word obey here is talking about a singular person talking to a singular God. Abraham obeyed God. Abraham was given instructions, and he obeyed. When God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. Road trip. Everybody go home and pack up everything you can in a backpack. And meet me back here at church and we'll take, we'll take, it, we'll take a little walk to our next destination. None of you would come. And none of you would come back here. Because you would think that I went to an insane asylum. I'm not leaving my house. Listen. Listen. He's called to a different country, and they go. It was by faith. Now, some of you are going, God, I'd like to thank you again that I'm not Noah and that I'm not Abraham, right? Because it comes into the story of, about, about um, Billy Graham. They said, Billy Graham, how, 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 do you, how do you get to do all this stuff? He said, I'm not sure that I was the first person that was asked. I was the first person that said yes. It's internal. It deals. God is dealing with us individually. Listen. He went without knowing. If you read Acts seven two through four, you can see now. Watch this. In in Hebrews, the writer goes, Abraham's the man. Read the story in Acts. He only goes halfway, and then eventually he gets there. Now watch. The writer of Hebrews doesn't even chalk that up to him. He gets full credit for doing what God wants. Are you not thankful that God leaves out details of your past? He didn't go the whole way. Yet he gets credit for it. Why? Because Abraham was a person that obeyed God. Did Abraham mess up? Yep, just like you and me. But he's still still credited with the faith in the faith chapter. Abraham was not remembered for the struggles that he had. Moses was not remembered for the murder that he committed, nor the speech impediment that theological people think he had. Joshua is not remembered for his doubting of leading the people across the Jordan River into the Promised Land. Rahab is used as a detail, but she is not remembered as a prostitute. She's remembered for hiding the spies. Aren't you glad that God chooses to not remember all of our stuff, right? He went without knowing. Look at verse nine. And even when he reached the land, God promised him, look, underline this. He lived there by faith. Four and a half years. Four and a half years of me annoying some of you to death. We need another house. I have three girls in one house with one bathroom. And some of you are like, well, you just quit. You have no idea of my situation. And we remained faithful. And when it, we thought it was absolutely out of the question. We would look at a house and go, we man, this is awesome. And they would tell us the price tag. And I would think, you have got to be kidding me. And we would look at another house and it would have this or it wouldn't have this and all this stuff. And for four and a half years, I said, Mary, I, I've had this conversation. I have no idea if I will ever be able to buy you the house like I would like to buy you. We do not live above our means. That's what you have to know about me. Other than our house, Mary and I got out of debt. I don't live above, We don't live above what we can handle to pay. So that's a problem. I don't know if you've priced any houses, but that's a problem. Until God shows up, I don't know if there's any fishing or not, but if you have any kids in your family and you you want to come fishing, you can come to my new house. It has a pond in the back. and It's going to be used for God's ministry. It's going to be used so that we, so that we can show people how much God means to us. But see, he lived there by faith. This is a situation, not a geographic location. He lived there by faith. Are you in a situation that you're quote-unquote living in right now? Will you Do you still believe that God is listening to you? Matt, you waited four and a half years. Well, I've been praying for somebody for 20 and they're not listening. Keep praying. Keep praying. He lived by faith. If you're living in a place, in a situation right now, When is the last time that you thought about this? I challenge the people at camp this week. You're going through something that's difficult. Awesome. Take a piece of chalk, stand outside on some concrete, draw a circle around your feet, ask God to start a revival within that circle. And you worship him because he deserves it. You start a revival in that service, God, and you you talk to me about my stuff. Let me remain faithful. Listen, he was like a foreigner. He didn't live here. He's not from here. Look what he lived in. Luxurious apartment. No, tents. Also, Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the promise. Can you imagine being those two? Hey, Dad, what kind of inheritance do I get? Well, not a whole lot, but you get to live in tents for the rest of your life. Listen, we're not talking they get to camp at Wayne Fitzgerald's. We're talking They're, they're, they're not. they're all nomads. They have no place to call home, yet Abraham told God that he's going to have descendants that outnumber the sand on the seashore, and they were going to get a piece of land somewhere. Knock, knock. Who's there? All three of these people died before they even saw the promised land. They saw it from vertical. <laughs> if they were allowed to see from heaven, that's the only way they got to see it. <laughs> they yearned. They absolutely yearned for a city, for a town, for somewhere that they can live. But they don't see it. I wonder if Abraham ever learned patience. Look at verse 10. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations. That's heaven. That is an Old Testament vision of of a futuristic where he's gonna go home. It did mean geographically here on earth too, because he wanted somewhere to call his own. Abraham is remembered for all of the awesome things he did, and he lived the life of a nomad. An eternal reward was waiting for Abraham. 17 people. In the past week, now look forward to an eternal home in heaven. That's 17 more people that might be standing right beside you in heaven, worshiping the King of Kings. The choir's getting bigger. How are you impacting the choir? How are you gaining member? How are you being attractional that you can that you can draw people in? Do you yearn for that? Yeah, I wish God would take me out of here every day. That's selfish. I prayed that prayer before. God, you know, I have a wife and I have two kids, and I'd like to see them grow up and get married maybe, when they're 40 and um <laughs> and it's selfish of me, but I know where I'm going. I know where I'm going. When I wake up in the land of glory, whew, can you imagine? Wow. I can't believe that you did all of this for me. Will I be able to stand and walk? I have no idea. Look at verse 11. There is a a sign in the kitchen of Lake Salatiska. And it says this. If you have time to lean... You have time to clean. Now those staff people are paid. Okay. If you have time to lean. You have time to clean. It's it's talking about not being lazy. Do you currently have time before Jesus comes back to work? Yes. That's the answer. Yes. You do. Because you're currently breathing. Currently alive. Maybe not currently conscious, but you're currently alive. See, it was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child. Though she was barren and was too old, she believed that God would keep his promise. We're not talking that Sarah was 40. We're talking that Sarah was just shy of 100. Now watch this. God promises Abraham and Sarah a child. Because it's very, I don't know, this is, I'm not trying to be sarcastic, but it's very difficult to be the father of nations and father of many, many people if you don't have kids. It's kind of impossible. Being barren was a curse. It was like God was mad. This is the Old Testament, okay? If, if there's something like that that happened, it was believed that God, you did something wrong and God was punishing you for it. God allowed her to be this way. Listen, he allowed her to be this way so that his glory could be seen. So, Sarah and Abraham, by God, are promised a child, and he was going to be the father and the mother of many nations. And they keep doing what is required to have a child, and nothing, 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 and And 25 years later, Isaac's born. 25 years. Twenty-five. If you need this, you need to underline the last part of this verse. She believed that God would keep his promise. Do you know why she believed that? Because she followed God. Because her and her husband loved God. Would you give up? Be really honest with yourself. Would you give up? There are people in this room right now that I know that... I've talked with them, and they, didn't, they never thought they were going to get married. They never thought they were going to have kids. They never thought they were going to be able to do this. They never thought they were going to be over, over this situation. They never thought they would get over the, over the, the grieving situation of a family member that, that died. They never thought they were going to do that. But God promises that he loves us, and he can take us there. And there are people that could stand up right now and go, I am a testament to believing what God has for me will come when he wants it to. What if God gave you a promise, but he didn't give you an answer? Oh, yay. Oh, good. I'm trying to figure out God's mind. What if he gave you, what if he gave you a promise without instructions? Now, I've told you before, my mom and dad built a, uh, put together a swing set for my sister and I. And dad said that's the closest that they ever came to getting a divorce, putting it together. Okay. They, they got us that. They got us that, and the reason that they had, and this is self admitted by my by my father and mother. My dad says I, we just we just didn't use the directions or the instructions. And my mom said, and I was mad at your dad for not looking at the directions, but I didn't look at him either. And they tried to do it the night before they were going to give it to us, so they could surprise us in the dark. I'm seeing this so far removed going, this is a recipe for disaster. Okay, If I'm doing marriage counseling, the last thing I'm going to do is, hey, why don't you put together a swing set at night? It'll really improve communication. As in, it will improve the volume at which you communicate. It will not help anything with communication. She believed, okay? Sarah believed that God would keep his promise. She believed him. How long would you wait for what God has for you? I know some people in this room that never really thought that they were going to get married. And now they are. Or there's people that never thought they would have kids. Or there's never anybody that, that, listen, I I know people that say it was not in, it was not, we were not able to have kids. They're some of the best foster and adoptive parents I have ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, they're parents. God didn't, God didn't go back on his promise. He kept his word. Look at verse 12. And so, a whole nation came from this one man. Now, this is Abraham. Who was as good as dead? No, he did not have any life-altering issues at this time in his life. He's as good as dead because he's old. He's past what, what was thought of as normal age, a hundred. Okay, how many people, raise your hand, have somebody in your family that uh, got pregnant at a hundred? Some of you are going, Lord, please no. Okay? Some of you right now, your current age are going, uh-uh, not funny. Okay? <laughs> Some of you are like, well, that's impossible. Remember, nothing's impossible with God. That's not to scare you. Okay, and so here. Listen, so a whole nation came from this one man, Abraham, who was as good as dead. He was past the prime of his life to reproduce humans. I'm not saying, I'm not saying anything gross here. I'm saying. He was not in a time of his life to have kids. A nation. So he's, not, he's as good as dead in a nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there is no way to count them. How do you go from a person without children to many nations? Let me tell you, it's one word. Ready? God. If God promises you something like he promised Abraham, he is going to. To deliver. If you underline anything in your Bible and you want to underline verse 13, listen to this. Look at verse 13 with me. All of these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised. Hello. Do you see this? They did not, this is in the Bible, they did not receive what was promised. As in, they didn't get to see it into fruition. They didn't get to step foot in the promised land. But Abraham knew there was a promised land. Abraham knew that God was going to make many nations out of him. And he never saw, he never saw us. He never saw us. But we're descendants of him. We can't not be. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it from all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. So basically that's what that's saying is this. They took what God had given them and they stood there with their circle around them and go, whatever this is, I'm going to stand on it. I'm going to stand in it. I'm going to expect you to move and I'm going to be right here for you to tell me when to move. And when we move, we move. Americans don't like that because, number one, we want to draw the circle in the color that we want to draw the circle in. We want to put the circle where we want to put, and we expect God to cater to us. It's backwards. God is not a God that caters to us. He loves us, but he requires, as a Christian, for you to follow him. Those 17 people this week did not get a get-out-of-hell-free card like so many Christians use it now. It is, it is an opportunity to further God's kingdom and follow Jesus. All of those people are plugged into churches. We, they made sure of that. At, where do you go? What town do you go in, to? Where do you live? There's a church that you can go to. Here's, here's a person that can give you a ride. They were plugged in. We had a student from Connection. They got up in front of an, an entire camp of high schoolers. Probably 160 kids and, and staff. And they stood up there. Awesomely, I might add. And conveyed to everybody that they did not know... What God had done in their life. <laughs> I'm sitting on the back row. And I'm like, yeah, this is one of my dudes. And this guy beside me goes, is that one of your guys? I go, mm-hmm. And he goes, I'd like to have about 20 of them. I said, this isn't arrogant. But we have a lot more than that coming up. Because our teachers, they see it in the distance. They see it in the distance. Otherwise, preschool teachers are absolutely useless. Why did Ruth Ewing, Nina Dickey, and Laura Davis put into me when I was four? Because they saw in a distance. Why do you teach your kids to obey God? Because you see in a distance. You have to welcome it. You have to understand that you could be pouring concrete and you wouldn't see anything else put on that concrete spiritually until after you die. But after you die, somebody comes along and goes, "Man, you could put you could put steel beams in this. You could really build something out of this. It wouldn't have been able to be done without your foundation." But it's so, it's so we want the man we want the highlight reel. We want the we want the boom. We want the ESPN. We want the yeah. God does done, and you can read the scripture, God has done probably more with people that are willing to get a trowel and and do some work on some concrete than any king. Because he loves everyone. But it's the people that are off the radar that he uses. The 12 disciples were not educated human beings. And he used them. How much? I don't know. They shared the gospel with the entire world. That they never saw. They never saw. They never. They never saw Jennifer get the gospel shared with her. They weren't alive. They didn't come. They didn't. The disciples never knocked on Levi and Emily's doors. Hey, would you like to receive? They're not there. They said. Uh, they said it so that one day that person would lead that person and lead that person, and they would lead you, and they would lead you. And I saw seventeen people get that this week. <laughs> And they agreed that they were foreigners. You and I are foreigners on this. This is not our home. Remember that song? This world is not my home. It's not. Look at look at the next blank in your worship handout. You can expect what God promises. However, you may not ever see it with your own eyes. What kind of legacy are you leaving with your children? What kind of legacy are you leaving with the children that you come in contact with? What kind of legacy? If, somebody, if you met somebody this past week and I got to talk to them, how would they describe you? Now, it's not fair because I won't put myself in a situation because I, I was at church camp and everybody acts nice at church camp. I'm not, I won't be in this equation. But if you met somebody this week and I got to talk to them, how would they have seen you? What does it look like? What are you passing down? What are you passing on? Look at verses 14 and 15 with me. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. We do want that, don't we? We want a place where we can just stand. We want a place where we can live. And I'm not, I'm not going to say that, that Mary and I are not excited about our new house, new to us house. It's awesome. It's an answer to prayer. Okay? We're, we're going to have a lot of fun. If you know how to paint, come over. Okay? Fifteen. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back. Just because God leads you somewhere doesn't mean that you go there. You can travel this road. Remember the Israelites? Oh, can we just go back to Egypt? I would rather live. Listen, they said this. I would rather live in slavery than get lost in a desert like an idiot, didn't they? And because they acted... What? Because they acted this way, God goes, you have to wander for 40 more years and the oldest generation has to die because they won't listen. Whoa. So that means the oldest generation never got to see the promised land. Did they know it existed? It was right across the river. Yes. <laughs> they knew where exactly where it was. Oh, great. Well, the promised land's over there. We've well, we got to walk back this way. For 40 years hey, I wonder what the promised land looks like today. Oh, yep, still there. They never got to go there. But they longed for that, didn't they? Look at verse 16. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. A city that is incomparable with our heads. It is not describable. Chris Tomlin wrote a song a few years back. Indescribable. You cannot... What's a crystal sea look like? Anyone? (laughs) Never seen one? I don't know. Maybe it's full of Swarovski crystal. I have no idea. No idea. Maybe it's just so clear that you can see the bottom. I I don't have a clue. You ready? Watch. This isn't arrogance. This is bragging on God. But you know, I can't describe it. But you know what? One day I will. I'll tell you all about it one day. What's the throne of God look like? Man, I can't even imagine, but I'll tell you one day. Why? Because I understand the promise that God has given me through my relationship with him. We're to look forward to it, but we have work to do. Look at the last blank in your handout. What are you expecting God to do in your life? I want you to keep this question with you all week. These questions. What are you expecting God to do in your life? After you come to that answer, do you trust that he has a plan for you well that 's easy jeremiah twenty nine eleven says that he has a plan for me to to you know, to prosper me and not to harm me and plan good and all that okay, and we know that scripture maybe it 's familiar to you maybe you have it memorized watch, believe it, but man, I, this whole plan that God has it doesn 't match what i want i 've been here okay and i 've been here too many times that i don't don 't want to talk about it with you okay we 've all been here God. This does not look like what I wanted. <clears throat> I wasn't expecting this. Now, after we come with the whole, an acceptance thing, if we may or may not understand what to expect or what it looks like. Are you willing to move out of the way? Hmm. I don't like that. No. I'm good. Okay. What are you expecting God to do in your life? Big thing. Right? If we're going to answer like an American. Big things. Do you trust that he has a plan for you? I don't trust anybody. True? It's hard for us to trust. That's why it's so hard for people to trust God because they think of him as a person. He's not a person. He's a being. All powerful being. A perfect being. Are you willing to move out of the way? If my guitar... Was what God had for me. This is all the stuff that's in, that's in the way. Oh, I can see it. Oh, it's nice. It's pretty. I can almost touch it. You remember that commercial for the insurance? When the guy has the dollar on the pole? Oh, oh. God. I understand where you want me to be. I understand what you want me to go. But I have this mountain that is currently blocking my entire vision of that. I don't know if you remember this, but it was God's voice that spoke those mountains into existence. And Jesus said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can tell that mountain to move. I said, God, I'm going to stand here in my circle. I know what you have for me on the other side, but I don't know how this mountain is going to be moved. But I'm going to wait and I'm going to follow you, whatever I need to do, until you move this out of the way so that I can do and go where you want me to go. What are you expecting? When you go to work tomorrow, what are you expecting? Don't go expecting a bad day. Go expecting you pray in the morning and ask God to give you somebody to talk to. Expect God to move. Expect God to answer you. And expect, be ready. Expect questions. Why are you so happy on Monday? Tell them what you did on Sunday. I got to hang out with a whole bunch of weirdos. And the pastor yesterday took two pies in the face. Why? Because our kids collected so much change. Jennifer asked me if I'd take a pie in the face. For 500 bucks? Yeah. No problem. Do you know that, do you know that that's going to be a lot of fun, and it's going to be messy, and that's cool, but it teaches our kids they'll never forget that. I'll be marrying one, a couple of them sometime. They'll be standing right here. You remember when I hit you in the face with that pie? Do you remember why? Yeah. We collected those, that money in those rice bowls. You know what? I never would have expected to be standing here today, and for that to have made that kind of impact on my life. What are we expecting? Do we come expectant? That's what God wants us to do. Let's pray, God. We love you. I'm thankful, God, that I get to to come to church with these people, and we get to sing the the words and the lyrics that, of the songs, and we get to we get to read Your Word, God. We get to go over different things. And God, we, we expect sometimes the wrong thing. Will you help us? Will you teach us? Will you show us what you want for us? And when we see it and it doesn't match exactly, God, will you be with our human selves? Will you be with us? And would you would you just help us say, okay? Whatever it takes, God, whatever it takes. I want to take as many people to heaven with me as I can. It's not about the spotlights. It's not about our name being somewhere, God. It's all about Jesus. God, we ask this week that we can be expectant of opportunities that we can share with other people about how good you are. In your name that we pray. Amen. If you want to see me get hit with a pie, you can come to that side of the church.